Welcome to episode number two of Tech Noise, brought to you by Abstract.Tech. Oh, that was a good rhythm. It's good. Today we're going to talk about augmented reality. That will be the major focus of the day. Specifically, augmented reality wearables. But before we get into that, I am honored and privileged to introduce the co-host of the show. He is a man that graces us with musical talents. A man that makes a ukulele look like a bass guitar. This rock star holds the record for the longest run without one swipe right. Hailing from the fictional world of the Shire, he loves his strawberries and cream. Your host, the director of production for Abstract, Eric Reitzer. Okay, well, that's a good one. I don't know if I can top that, so... Um... I am going to keep the intro of my co-host as short as he is tall. His name is Brian Bogus. That's it? I allocated one word for every foot of your height. What more, what more do you want from me? I, uh... That was five total. I was, like, waiting in anticipation for this moment. And, uh, I guess what it comes down to is I crushed you. But did you, though? Because I felt like mine was, like, short and sweet. Like me. Yeah. But you are sweet. Yeah. And short. That's right. But I thought mine came in really, I had some pop you to it. You had some pop to it. I just knew I can't, I got to wait until you just like expire most <laughs> of your stuff and then I'll start trying again. That way I'll start winning some battles. Like it's, there's no purpose of me actually putting an effort on the intros at this point until, until you've just kind of destroyed me. You're going with I'm like the wear rise. down technique. That's right. I'm going to be Phoenix rising from the ashes. That's, That's where I'm going. Not a bad move. Not a bad move. Yeah. All right, well, today we are going to be talking about AR wearables. Are they ready? And are we ready for them? So, Brian, what do you think? Well, for the first topic, uh, are they ready? That is a, uh, a challenging question. When you think about augmented reality wearables in general, uh, there's a lot of different types of headsets you can think of. Most commonly, the Microsoft HoloLens typically is the biggest one that people think about. It has the most hype. Uh, probably the most uses, I would say, when you're talking about true augmented reality. But there are other wearables out there that I'd say scratch the surface with augmented reality, uh, real wear being one of them, uh, where it doesn't necessarily put the computer-generated graphics in, in the physical space, but they are using some forms of augmented reality by definition. So... When you think about are they ready, you got to kind of talk about these different types of wearables and how they're being used to determine if you think they are ready. Okay, so let's back up here for a second. So what is augmented reality? Yeah, um, I'll go kind of on the nerdy definition and then pull it back a little bit. But by definition, it's an interactive experience where you can superimpose computer-generated graphics in the physical world. And you typically do that with a device that has a camera on it, like a mobile phone or a wearable that you can put on your head. And it has an outbound camera and allows you to have that display in front of your face within view. There's a lot of other types of information that you know I can go into that I won't for the sake of time. But in a nutshell, that's it. To, to pull it back and go very basic, it's basically false, uh, faking holograms. So if you think about, um, you know, the idea of holograms, they don't, you know, they're not real yet and maybe never will be. 
but people are always trying to find ways to make that feeling come to life. And augmented reality is probably the best way to do that right now. Yeah, so that's actually pretty cool. I think um, the first time I really thought about like augmented reality glasses or goggles or anything like that, um, I, I think the first thing that my mind jumped to as kind of like a consumer was Google Glass. And I think it's important to know that Google Glass kind of falls into that emerging tech space, but it's really not an AR glasses. It's, it's, I mean, they call it AR glasses technically because it's assisted reality. It's not augmented reality. And you're actually looking at basically, it's, it's kind of a forced perspective where it's, you've got a little screen and the right side of your right eye. And it's showing you on the screen, um, certain things. I think the initial one was like weather and showing photos and videos and that type of stuff. But yeah, like even like the whole idea of remote expert, like that came into play with Google Glass where you could do like a Skype call and see the person you're talking to right there in view. Um, and, and, and I think of heads up display, you know, that's that's typically what I commonly think of when I think of Google Glass or um, a lot of these, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's good use cases for like a heads up display experience. Um, but really when we're talking about if they're ready, meaning the, where, the, the hardware, I really like to talk about augmented reality where the graphics, the computer-generated graphics are in the physical world, right? And so I, I do think in that Microsoft HoloLens probably has, you know, it's like the front runner inside this, this, this side of it, you know? Um, I honestly don't feel that they are ready for scale. Um, I do think they're usable. I can tell you this, if you've never tried it, you put it on and it is a really amazing experience. Um, the way it tracks the environment, understands objects inside the environment, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, but there's some issues with it. And and they know that, they're working on it. That's why it's new and it's currently, you know, constantly being updated, it's evolving, all of these different things. Uh, but really one of the biggest issues is um, field of view. Um, the first one that came out, came out with like a 35 degree field of view. Um, the it, it's, you know, you see these things online where you see all of these amazing objects around you, like in your environment, and it looks really cool. The problem is when, when you're seeing it from your like first person perspective, you're only getting tiny little objects in view at each time, just because that field of view is so small. It's not an exact comparison, but if you've ever looked at a heads up display in your car, where you can easily shift your head around and you lose sight of the, you know, your speed or navigation. That's very similar to what you experience when you're in HoloLens. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, almost like, uh, I don't even know if this is like a 90s thing. You'll have to inform me because I was so young. But when you kind of put your fingers, your, your thumb and your index finger together and kind of put both of your hands together, can make it like a picture. Like if you extend your hands out in front of you, and I'm doing this right now and Brian can see me, but you guys can't. But if you put this out in front of you, it's kind of like the sensation that you get is this little box that you're kind of looking through at any point in time in these in the HoloLens. And now, kind of like Brian was saying, I think the first um, HoloLens actually came out, I think it was late or early, it was like 2016 when the first HoloLens came out. And they just came out with the second version of the HoloLens that expanded that field of view to, I think it was around 52 degrees or something along the diagonal, uh, you know, field of degrees, whatever. Measured diagonally is what I'm trying to say. So they've increased it. And I think obviously there's a ways to go before they get into a point where that's really beneficial. Um, but the application side, you know, going back to like, are they ready? I think the applications, everybody's focusing on enterprise. 
like it's kind of interesting because it's almost the reverse of VR, where VR kind of started as like a consumer-facing product and now is evolving into more of like the, the B2B space type of thing. And AR is almost the exact opposite. So there's really not a, reg- a great example of a consumer-facing application for, for AR yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, with wearables for sure. I mean, there are some some augmented reality games you can play that, you know, I think they can be fun. Um, I don't think they have a lot of time. You know, you don't commit a lot of time to them. They fade out. They're kind of gimmicky sometimes. Um, but I've tried a game in the HoloLens, and I can tell you it is absolutely not for consumers, not yet anyway. Um, I think when they get that field of view all the way up, the battery life is up, and all these are, and the, and the price point comes down, and they start creating games that are actually interacting with your physical world because it understands walls and doors and all of these things, maybe it's ready for consumers. And that's why they're focused on enterprise. Um, you can find some amazing use cases that people are using for the HoloLens, um, you know, I, where you're in a facility and you need to get step-by-step instructions. And you can really do that inside the HoloLens very effectively. Um, now, when you do that, you still have to concern yourself with battery life, the price point's like $3,500. So getting that to a bunch of people is going to be challenging. Um, that's that's the big issue is is price point, uh, the battery life, the field of view. All of these play uh, major factors in, in why I personally don't think something like a true augmented reality wearable is ready. Um, but if you're opening your mind to them and you say, you know what? What makes it so special in the workforce? Well, that's that's obvious. You're hands-free. You know, you now don't have to have a tablet or a clipboard in your hand. So that's the major benefit. So if you're saying, I want to find a way to augment the workforce, see what I did there, um, and and have them hands-free, then you need to look at a wearable. And 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 it is usable. Uh, the other one that you can always explore is something like Realware, where, where it's basically saying, you know what, maybe going full augmented reality where we're superimposing these computer-generated graphics in the physical world is too much. So with something like Realware, you have the ability to basically have a tablet screen next to your face. So this arm comes down, you have the display right there. Uh, It has amazing voice recognition, can handle loud environments extremely well. You can remote expert in, you can get all your documentation, similar to what you do in the HoloLens, but it doesn't have the ability to put it in the physical world, which is okay. Um, It also clips on to like a hard hat, for example. There's intrinsically safe options. Uh, a lot of value there, and 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 that allows you to also be hands free, um, similar to what you would get in in something like the Hololens. Uh, ODG has a bunch of wear, uh, AR wearables as well. There's there's so many that are coming out, and the competition. It seems like every week there's a new one that is that is being released or being updated, and it's really interesting to see this battle happen. Yeah, you know, there's actually there's a couple. I mean, obviously, the things that we've talked about so far, are really kind of the challenges, um, mainly, I guess, the challenges of of AR and and kind of where the technology is at today. And you mentioned the intrinsically safe and obviously cost. Um, making a device that is intrinsically safe is is actually much more expensive. And I was doing some research, and Hololens Two actually has the ability to have an in- intrinsically safe option. That's uh, with a company called Trimble XR10 is the model. And it's with the HoloLens too, and that is forty nine fifty for that headset. And it does the same thing where it, like the real where it clips to the uh, the hard hat, and it's kind of a part of you know that technology, which is actually pretty cool. Obviously, you're gonna pay for it cost wise, um, but it is out there. The real wear uh, intrinsically safe device. Uh, I was looking at their website, and their price tag for that's six grand. So no matter where you're looking at this, like intrinsically safe, you're definitely paying a premium for it. And there's obviously a, a reason for that. 
but you know even at the base level of these of these units right now you're you're looking at upwards of two thousand dollars magically one is twenty three hundred hmt one from realware is twenty five hundred the dev kit two hololens is thirty five hundred like there's a lot of money that's going into this and it's not it's not going to be a cheap option for any company to have the devices a and then b have something to use the devices with some sort of program or indoctrinating into their systems like there's going to be excessive cost to get this up and running and and i think that actually is what would make me the most nervous as a as the business side not the tech side let's say i find a great use case and i see the efficiency increase and the fact that it'll eliminate some user error and all these different factors um then i think about the purchase price and it's not just about the price that you're you're going to buy it now in about two years three years what's going to come out the hololens 3 you know, the next thing where you have bigger field of view, better battery life, uh, better processing power, like all of this stuff comes into play. So I think that actually answers the biggest question for me when I say, are they ready? I think the tech side, there's definitely some applications where I would say, yes, it's ready um, in a limited level. But the price point is high. And to scale that in my company to know that I'm probably risking it being dated in two to three years, that is a the, probably the biggest factor in my decision to say, I don't personally think they're ready. And that's why I would typically still look for something like a, a mobile first where I don't have to worry about scaling in hardware. I can add it into a mobile device and then scale into the wearables when I think the hardware is officially ready where that field of view, battery life, all that satisfies what I'm looking for as a tech lead. So those are a lot of, of the challenges. I guess let's talk a little bit about strengths. Like what what would be some of the strengths of the existing technology that we have today from your perspective? Personally, when I think about the technology and how it can be used, um, the ability to put on a device and it map my facility and provide information to me very, very quickly without me having to touch anything, I mean, that's a massive strength. Um, and that doesn't matter if I'm talking about realware, you know, or the HoloLens, but like, I can activate a facility, I can activate a piece of equipment, and I can do it without having to use my hands, right? Um, if I'm doing an inspection on big equipment, right? I can look at the big equipment, the app knows that, puts all of the overlays there that I need, and I can effectively perform my job. And it can have all the checks and balances to help eliminate any user error, right? And that's why that workflow piece comes in. That's, that's, a, that's a huge benefit. If I'm a technician and I need to pull up any type of records or documentation um, about a piece of equipment, I can do that straight from the headset where it notices what I'm looking at or I have some type of gesture or voice and I can pull that information up very effectively. Uh, thus just making my job easier um, and making sure that I'm, I'm using the most up-to-date information as well. Yeah, I know a lot of the things that we just talked about before also revolved around cost and you know how expensive this is to implement at any scale, really. Um, I think one of the things is that the ROI is more readily apparent with this as well. So even though it may cost three to $6,000 for a piece of technology for one of your workers to wear, I mean, if you can actually build a business case around it where it's increasing your productivity 30% instances, I mean, it actually may make sense to, to bite the bullet on the, on technology, start getting used to it, like indoctrinate your employees into the processes, and then as the new technology comes out, you, you obviously roll into the next stuff, but obviously your, your scale of application and the 
ROI has to outweigh the cost, essentially. There's there's two things that I'll I'll chime in. The hardware is one cost, right? But you also have also the 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 digital you know transformation process that has to occur. You have to make sure that you're either building out your workflow or utilizing something off the shelf that can help that. A, a quick one that you could look at is as a remote expert. Like Microsoft has that for the Hololens, for example, and Realware it's it's available in their system too, where Instead of having people travel all over the world to solve a problem, they can remote in and perform that duty. Um, but when you start getting into real workflow, like procedural and scenario-based uh, workflow, that's where the cost goes up when you're talking about the software piece and that component and managing that and then scaling the team and the company into that. Um, but I really do think when you're thinking about the AR wearables, to be honest, like that field of view just kills me. I know I keep going back to it, but like you did your whole example of your hands. Um, now, I mean, of course, your hands, that's like a 10 degree field of view because they right. got tiny little hands. But yeah. if you were a normal person, yeah, that was a good example of how like the field of view is an mm -hmm. issue because like the documentation, the way you look at information, it's just it's just uh, it's challenging. It really is. I, I did one example where I was looking at this this big console, and it was like a think of it like a a server cabinet. And I'm trying to perform this process, but I can only have like I don't know 25% of the of the of the server in view at any time. Mm. So I'm constantly scanning this thing to try to find what I'm looking for and adjusting that field of view on my head to make sure it's ideal for what I'm doing. I think that kind of wraps up that first part about the technology portion. Now let's kind of let's kind of transition into the second portion is the, are we ready for the technology? And we, we kind of touched on a couple of these points so far and that it depends on the company size has a lot to do with it, being able to afford it, whether it makes you know sense with your company's workflow and how you work. What do you think? Are, are we ready? Are companies ready? This is a, this is actually a fun topic because I am uh, absolutely not going to give you my opinion. Um, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's basically what I want to. I want to actually get you thinking about your company uh, versus me saying if I generally think everyone's ready because I really do think there are industries that are ready, meaning the the people that are working in it, and then and then and then there's different roles that people are are performing, and those roles may some may be ready and some some not, and so the questions you have to ask yourself is really all about adoption, right? I mean, you can put this thing into place, you can integrate it into your company. And then you can hand them over to people and train them. But the question is, every day they come in, will they pick it up and use it? Are they going to go back to their old ways? Um, and those are questions you have to try to figure out and then put a, right, a solution in place that overcomes that, right? And that's really, really key to this. Um, I mean, if you're asking me, hey, I want to go, um, I want to implement the HoloLens on, a, on an oil rig. And I want a bunch of roughneckers to, to put this thing on and use it. Um, I'm probably going to tell you that they're going to laugh in your face and they're going to put them in their truck and they're probably not going to use them. And, and it's going to take someone out there like staring at them to get them to use it. You know, so, some may be set in their own ways. Some are just, you know what, I've done it this this way for so many for so many years. I can think on my own. I don't need a piece of equipment to tell me what to do. Right. I know what I'm doing. Um, but if you're looking at maybe a, a manufacturing company that works in tech. And, and you're looking to put it into your manufacturing process. Um, and it's a company that already has been forward thinking. They've gone through the digital transformation process and they've done these things. The question is, would those people be ready? Would they be willing to adopt it? And I would probably say, yes, they would be. Um, and you can probably 
drastically Im- improve the the process of going into that because you have already been scaling. It's I think it's a matter of how big you're jumping to determine if if the company itself and the people inside the company are ready for it. Yeah, I mean that's a really that's a really smart answer. I've got a really kind of dumb follow up question to that. So we talk about wearing these things during you know the, the workday and all that. that. There are different processes and stuff, but realistically, do I want to wear a bulky headset for eight hours a day? I mean, I think that's kind of the other half of the question, too. I mean, like, does it help them with their job flow and make them more productive? That's one part. But it kind of goes back to the technology. Like, are we there yet? Like, are AR, is AR comfortable enough to really apply at scale? I don't think you'll ever wear the headset eight hours. Like, 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 I don't think if you're integrating, let's say tomorrow or even a year from now or two years from now, um, no, you wouldn't wear it eight hours. I think it's a, a tool, you know, it's a tool that you would pick up and use when you need it. Um, if someone is going through a maintenance procedure on a piece of equipment, it's done yearly, right. Or done every quarter, then they would pick this up and they would use it to perform that process. Um, and again, this is kind of why I always mention mobile first is because there's times where they can just pick up this tablet, which they're already either using one or they're doing it um, uh, you know, on a clipboard. So they're holding something in their hand. And some of these procedures or some of these checks and balances, like an inspection checklist, can be done there, right? But then there's the, okay, we're stepping into maybe a more dangerous process or something that really needs to be done perfectly, step by step, no, no cutting corners and so on. Then this would be used. Also, the time it would be used is I've run into a problem. I'm a, I'm a machinist, and I can't figure out what's going on with this. I put the HoloLens on. I call in a remote expert. I walk them through my problem, and we solve that problem together but remotely. And when I'm done with that process, I take it off. Uh, battery life will never last eight hours uh, for these right now, right? They're, they're um, a couple hours, right, if you're lucky. So um, then you put it on your charging dock. It charges, and the next time someone needs it, they're able to pull it off and use it. The use cases cannot be on a, I'm going to put on the HoloLens and I'm going to use it all day long and I'm going to do it to, I'm going to, I'm going to use it to do my job. Um, it could also be used for training. So an entry level person may use it more often, but once they've used it and used it and used it right over and over again, again, we go to, we talk a lot about experiential learning, which I know we did in the last episode, they get used to that process and it's helping guide them. And then eventually they don't need it anymore. So I was trying not to. I don't want to like divert this from where we're going. It's kind of more of an aside. So Google Glass actually came out with an enterprise uh, solution again. I don't know if you know about that. Mm. Uh, so in 2019, it was like spring of 2019. So they came out with Google Glass 2 for enterprise. And it's basically the same thing. It's very similar to the first one. Um, and I feel like the Google Glass was kind of ahead of its, ahead of its time. And they kind of asked, you know, like, is Google Glass really the best option for like AR and and the guy that they were interviewing, this is some article I was reading, uh, he said, well, it really just depends on the application, right? Like, they're all tools. Some tools might be better than another. You've got a hammer and you've got a screwdriver. Like, they're different, different things. So, like, whereas AR glasses, like the HoloLens instances, it really may not be as geared towards, um, you know, wearing it throughout the day type thing. But I feel like Google Glass has applications where that would be helpful from an assisted reality side we're having that heads up display while you're working um, specifically for like assembly processes or something like that. Um, I believe there was one, if it was an airline company and there was some use case where they were doing, um, they were like plugging wires, like wires had to go in a certain schematic. 
and they had these heads-up displays with, I forget what technology they're, they're using, but they had uh, basically images where Google Glass would have that image rec- you know, right available for them as they're going through this so they can kind of reference, you know, okay, this is this, you know, wire A needs to go here, wire B needs to go here. So they're following these schematics as they're just plugging these wires, whatever they're doing. So, and that, I feel like, I mean, if that person is doing that the entire day, they're going to have to have these headsets on in some capacity for the most of the day. And I feel like Google Glass, their design, if you haven't seen them, the design is basically the same as it was, just basic glasses. It's much easier to wear. Yeah. I mean, they were light. They were light and easy. They yeah. were a little ahead of their time. Uh, I will tell you, it, it, it's. I didn't know they did that. That's good to know. But everyone's moving to enterprise. And and, and Google made the first mistake. We're like, oh, we're like, these are going to be like these consumer glasses, right? And the consumers are like, well, I'm not going to wear these. Um, Magic Leap comes out and raises a gazillion dollars, right? And and then all of a sudden they announce, when they were very consumer-facing, they announced that they're turning to enterprise. Um, and I think these companies are realizing that our price point is more applicable to enterprise-level companies, um, and the functionality can be used on a day-to-day. Um, and I think Google, it doesn't surprise me, they have the technology in place, right? They might as well start turning their focus there, Um but it's a sizable investment to do this, and not just for the the company, but these these companies that are creating the hardware. I mean, the R and D that's going into these seasons is bonkers to think about. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I think Magic Leap is making a shift to try to find that place, um, and maybe it comes back to the consumer. I think we're going to see this, this interesting thing, like you mentioned with VR. But like most technology starts with the consumer, like mobile apps, and it moves to businesses. But now we're seeing this this industry where. You know, with these AR wearables, for example, everyone, they're focusing on businesses and then it'll eventually move to consumer. Yeah, one of the things I was reading yesterday, they, t- they talked about that, um, specifically kind of starting with the consumer side or identifying whether consumer or the professional side was the way to go. And uh, they said, while they're not targeting consumers right now, most companies in AR wearables have shifted focus to professional users at the moment. Magic Leap is aiming at four categories and here's their kind of big use cases. Virtual communication and collaboration, 3D visualization, remote training and assistance, and location-based experiences. So it kind of goes to show like their, their top use cases are, are all professional use cases. They're not consumer-based at this point in time. And I feel like that's a trend that's not going to be broken for some time until the technology really catches up to where you're not wearing this bulky headset. And, you know, you're, you're wearing these like every, what you would vision as like just a regular pair of glasses and the technology is just built in but at the same time has the battery life that lasts all day and doesn't burn your temples because it gets so hot, you know? I think there's going to be one company that breaks that mold early on, and it's Apple. Um, I think Apple's going to release uh, glasses. I mean, they've already announced it, right? They're kind of giving sneak peeks. They look slick, at least the, the ones that they've shown so far. It's going to be tethered to your phone, though, and that's the key part. They're saying, I don't think a standalone headset is capable because it has to be too bulky. It has low battery life. So I think their glasses are going to be like your watch. You know, your Apple Watch is going to go on your face, but you have the ability to put navigation in front of you and all these really cool things, your music. Um, and I really do think they're going to start with consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think the consumers will purchase them because it's Apple. And I think they're going to be amazing. Um, when they don't go first to the market, when they go into a market that's already there, they're patient, they wait, and they find the right thing to release to appeal to the masses. And they are dominantly a, a consumer-based business. You know, not not completely, but... Um, Anyway, I'm excited to see those, and I think those will be the only ones that are like over here uh, to the consumer, while all these other ones are, are focused on enterprise. 
Well, cool. All right. What a great show. Yeah, it was good information. I am a little disappointed. I only made fun of you like once or twice. Yeah. Um, but I will embarrass you in some ping pong later and make up for it. Well, all right. Well, I look forward to that. You at least trying. But um, the sentiment is appreciated. Well, this concludes the episode. I really hope you enjoyed the information. Please uh, share some comments. Uh, challenge us with some questions. Uh, we're all ears. Uh, we we love this space. We love augments of reality. And um, if you have any questions around how it could possibly be used for your company, please shoot us a message, and we will definitely offer our expertise. Until next episode, you guys have yourself an awesome day. I'm going to go spank Sir Eric and some ping pong. <laughs>